truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. It is a Friday, so we've got a fourth member of the program, at least for the first hour, our congressional correspondent here at Blaze TV. Nate Madden will be joining us here momentarily. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. It's a typical Friday, some feedback Friday, where we get back to you on your responses to us, whether that was via email at steve at stevedace.com or on Facebook, where people are now telling me that Facebook is actually showing them updates of our page. No. You don't buy it? No. Yesterday, Facebook told me I, I stopped following my own page. That's more legit. And today I'm being told now that they're promoting the page. Maybe they felt, maybe they felt yesterday's shadow banning scam was so unsubtle. <clears throat> Pardon me, that they, they felt like they kind of had to do like a couple of day make good. You know what, dude? We went way over the top on that last one. All right. We outed ourselves by telling him he unfollowed his own page. So, you know, we might be up another 20 or 30 likes. Or one or two. Or one or two. Yeah, that's probably more likely. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And we will be getting to your feedback a little bit later on. But because it's Friday, we have to look back at the week that was with the day Group. <clears throat> Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by me clearing my throat. And issue one brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. You may have missed a recent episode of 60 Minutes where the former FBI uh, man in charge of overseeing that uh, uh, once esteemed institution's cybercrimes division was warning homeowners about the latest scam sweeping the nation. And this is where thieves go to online databases where a lot of our mortgage notes and home titles are kept nowadays, forge their names onto your paperwork, and then they borrow against your equity using the home as collateral, sticking you with late payments, foreclosure notices. Don't let this happen to you. Protect your most valuable investment your own home. And you can do that with our friends at Home Title Lock. They will protect you when identity theft protection, your bank, mortgage lender, uh, your uh, y- y- the stars won't. Uh, just pennies a day. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title. And if they detect anything nefarious, they are on it right away. If you want to find out if your home's title has already been tampered with or targeted, get the free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Com. And now we get to issue one, a tradition unlike any other. Bleep, Democrats say. You guys are crazy! You're an animal! Get a job! Donald Trump is a guy who, you understand, he hurts you. And, you, and my testosterone sometimes makes me want to uh, uh, feel like punching him and uh, which would be bad for this elderly, out of shape man that he is. Yeah. I did that. <laughs> he is stoking white supremacy, and he is allowing, frankly, neo-Nazi groups to go off unchecked because that is a key part of rousing his base. That so so-called extemporaneous chant of "send her back" by the audience 
seems pretty suspicious because typically that type of thing is organized. When you see chants in audiences, a lot of times it's either someone is stoking it from the, you know, backstage or offstage or there are people in the audience who have been sort of planted to do those things. I would say uh, our, our country should be more fearful. Um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be uh, profiling, monitoring, um, and, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. I'm going to ask the white Americans in the room to please repeat after me. People are getting really out of control with this. white privilege on behalf of myself and on behalf of my country I'm at the grocery store and I'm in the tin out the out that says 10 items or less to you and all African Americans this white man comes up to me and says you lazy son of a from the beginning of our nation's history he says you lazy son of a you need to go back where you came from in honor of your ancestors and on behalf of your children. And he says that. I said, sir, you don't even know me. I'm not lazy. I'm that much pregnant. He says, you're ignorant. Please hear this from my heart. And my child is just sitting right there. He said, mama, why we call you that? Why we do that? I apologize. This is Ellis Island, but where I live in El Paso, Texas, could be the Ellis Island of today. When in the United States of America have we ever achieved something by thinking small? We sent somebody to the moon, we got rid of slavery, and we gave women the right to vote. We darn well can give everyone health care for all through Medicare for all. So I can't stand by and watch this attack on our freedom of speech and the right to boycott the racist policies of the government in the state of Israel. There you have it. By the way, a couple of notes. When we talk about stuff that happened over the course of the week, not always are the videos from this week. Sometimes they just surfaced this week, like the video over of Congresswoman Tlaib back in 2016 losing her collective feces at the mere sight of Donald Trump, for example. And I, I found out the young girl that Joe Biden yep. kisses on the lips there is his teenage granddaughter. granddaughter. Yep. Is that a tradition in your home, Todd? Uh, I'll... I'll let it go. I mean, really. I okay. I'm just asking. I mean, no, I, I know. I, I, I would is, find we would I'm, find it weird in our in our home. I'm, we would find it weird. But it, here's the thing: I, in the context of his other behavior yes. that we have seen, it becomes weird. Maybe not as a standalone thing. Is right. it weird? It, we would find it awkward in our family. But you know, you guys know how I am about public displays of affection on almost any level. So most of my family's kind of inherited that from me, living with me for a while now. But uh, in the context of a lot of the other things we've seen from him. It does it now look weird. Yes. Does does that look? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. In context yes. of the other things, yeah, of course. Kind of yes. Okay. I, All right. Let's get to it. Uh, let's go around. You have four white men on the panel today, so beware. 
Uh, it's going to be very dangerous, according to Congresswoman Omar. Nate, you are our special guest today. You get to start. Uh, give us your favorite example of uh, your favorite ride on the crazy train from the Democrats that Aaron profiled this week. This is always my least favorite part of the day script because I can never pick. I, I I just get hit with this wave of insanity. But uh, you know what? I, for the sake of argument, I, I've really got to go with the the Rashida Tlaib twenty sixteen just on this just for the entertainment factor because it's kind of fun to watch on loop. Yes, my favorite part is <laughs> knowing what we know now that this woman will eventually be elected to Congress. The guy in the background who yells at her, get a job. <laughs> That's my favorite and By part golly, she did. She got one for yes. 174 a year. Yeah, found, August, he says. yeah, find that guy and tell him, hey, next time, keep your mouth shut. We like to write where she was. Bothering you. Not, Not the rest of us, all right? Don't get that one. Todd, your thoughts? You know, it, it's Omar and the brazenness. Now that we have more context, I mean, it, it was ridiculous before we knew all the things uh, that we knew about her uh, marriage history uh, that you've alluded to this week and Glenn Beck has uh, talked about. But the, the, the brazenness that she continues to behave with as if, you know, it, this is Palpatine, I am the Senate. They, they they have been outed in so many ways as the far as they are, and they're just like, nope, keep going. There won't it, That's cause for them to just step on the gas even harder. They are They are in their endgame, and they're going to pursue it. Uh, it's just a question of how we react to it. I, I just, I think that to me stands out how they are. It, it's, it's all out in the open now, and, and they don't care. They're quite proud of it, in fact. Hmm. Aaron, get high on your own supply. Yeah, I would say the favorite. I don't know, boy. There's, there's a lot to to choose from here. The, the, the favorite is the clip that surfaced of Marianne Williamson. Williamson, Williamson, yeah. I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Having her white audience members repeat after her as she collectively apologized for, and we talked about that on Monday, I believe, with Bob Vanderplatz. But that is not too far away from what a lot of people in what we would see as normal evangelical circles. Uh, that's not too far away from what some people kind of want to do with the Don't. racial reconciliation thing that we never really had a problem with before 2016, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably my favorite clip because it's not just a crazy Democrat thing. That's a that's that's a just a thing, man. Nate, Don't sounds like you were chiming in there. Go ahead. You've also got boomer Catholics and the very real reality of Susan from the parish council who are along with the even evangelical groups on that. So just. It's 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 broader than, than than you alluded. What stuck out to me, if if there is an overriding theme there, um, cultism. And when we started talking about this in 2016, we we you know we we kind of coined the phrase Trump cult on this show. A lot of you keep giving me credit for the we you will be made to care line. And I keep telling you, I didn't come up with that one. I mean, that was Eric Erickson's line. And I keep trying to give him credit every time I use it, but I keep getting credited for it. That wasn't my line. That was his. That was okay? his book. Yeah, that was the name of his book. Yeah. And I he, read after the whole he, book. After he coined that phrase, he then wrote a book along the lines of that phrase. Clever marketing. Um, but um, we saw evidence of that cultic activity um, you know, the whole uh, God's anointed Nebuchadnezzar is now a heroic figure uh, in the Bible. Um, the, you know, um, I, we're seeing now, though, before we saw that with, with an element of Trump's base, 
I don't believe, and when it happens, I'll say so. Um, tribalism isn't cultism. Those are different things. I mean, you, you can get have political tribalism, tribalism about your team and a rivalry, all right? Uh, cultism is where there's a conformity. Tribalism is where you will go to extremely, like, usually douchey uh, and obnoxious lengths in order to excuse the people wearing your jersey for why they lost the last game. All right, that's what tribalism will do or lost the last election in a political sense. What, what, what cultism is, is different. This is where you, you, one sure sign of a cult is the sacrifice of your individual identity in order to conform to the group think. All right. And, and long before we saw elements of this, like the toothless dude in Indiana yelling Goldman Sachs at Cruz. Yeah, in the in that primary is it that if you ever go see that video, what what is what is the what is the cultic segment of Trump support look like? Google Indiana Goldman Sachs Ted Cruz dude and and click on the video link and watch that video. That or or the woman who the, showed up at the Trump rally after the NBC video came out and said, "Hey Donald, you can grab my you know uh, tiddlywinks." Um, what a, long before that though, I was calling progressivism a cult writing columns about laying it out, that this is a spirit of the age, this leftism. And it is, it is the, the Arius Marcion, it's the, it's, it's the heresy of this age. If Arrhenius were alive today, he'd be writing against heresies and it'd be about American leftism, Western leftism. This is the chief religious movement seeking to challenge Christianity for the hearts and minds of the people in our day, in our time. And you see all the hallmarks of it there. The, the, there's almost a seething from Rakita Tlaib. Like, it's almost like you expect her to yell out, have you come to persecute us before mm-hmm. the appointed time, son of man? I mean, that's the, that's the tone of voice. The, the, the abject removal from all reality and, and creating an alternative reality, uh, an alternative history. That dude from uh, the Young Turks, whose name I can't pronounce, so I don't want to butcher it because I don't want to make Jake. fun of him. Um, but claiming that, uh, you know, um, essentially wax my balls, bigot, uh, is, is, you know, the next evolution of, of you know, uh, Uncle Tom's cabin on Twitter this week. So, you, you know, that level of historical or reality revisionism where you create a reality that's that's an alternative to yourself. And then you get down to the just the borderline ecclesiastical. And that's what Marianne Williamson's doing there. She's holding a mass. Or, or, or if you're if you're Catholic, if you're Pentecostal, man, that's a healing service. You stand up, man, and people Absolution. lay hands on. Yeah, you're getting that. All of the hallmarks, Steve. I've heard you say for years. You know, what does it look like? What do you mean? Progressivism is a cult. Spirit of the age, progressivism, because there's different strands of progressivism as well. There's a lot of Republicans who are Teddy Roosevelt style progressive. So let me narrow it down all the more. When, what do you mean, Steve, when you say spirit of the age, progressivism is a cult? You saw three primary examples of it in Aaron's montage right there, guys. Right there. I mean, all the, all the hallmarks, well, not all, many of the manifestations of cultic behavior are there. Anybody agree, disagree, add, sap, no. subtract, multiply, divide from that? Which is why this people who sit there and keep thinking, you know, when is this crazy finally going to play itself out and common sense prevail? Because it's now at cult status, it won't. No. The, That's the, the thing. The common crowd sense, outside of gave, Lot's house yeah. will not be satiated. You gave up on common sense. Common sense 
was years uh, ago, you know, when this stuff is starting to happen, uh, understanding uh, the lessons of history and the lessons of your faith enough to nip that stuff in the bud. But now we have tranny story hour coming and we're like, "I I just don't know what to do. Common sense is dead. It's utterly dead, and that's why it's going to take something truly revolutionary to reclaim it. You can share a country with people who, who, who call themselves pro-choice because they're not sure that they should impose their will on a woman that's been victimized with rape or incest, or you know, or a, a young girl ha- you know sleeps with her boyfriend on prom night and she just found out she's a month pregnant and she's not sure what to do. I would be pro-life in all of those situations. And I would argue for the pro-life argument in all those situations. But, but people who would disagree with you that it's a situational issue, you can share a country with them. Mm-hmm. You cannot share a country with people who think it's on, a sacrament. On, on one hand, say dismembering and decapitating babies and snipping them at the neck with scissors to then vacuum, literally vacuum out their parts from a woman's mm-hmm. womb is okay, but the the Justice Department yesterday announcing that it's going to execute child kidnapping murderers is just, it shows how much the country's lost its soul. You can't share a country with people like that. You're going to have to, it's, they will defeat you or you will defeat them. Yes. All right. That level of, that level, that's not Lake Wobegon. That's not, they want government to be more involved. You can even share a country with somebody who wants Medicare for all. When they're that far gone, that, that their morality, their base morality is that in far into the upside down that they're the mind flayer incarnate. You will defeat them or they will conquer you. You will not live alongside them because they have no interest in living alongside you. That's the difference between an enemy politically and an opponent, in my view. I don't know, Steve. I think the mind flayer is just passionately misinformed about the issues. <laughs> yes. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to question here the uh, motivations of my esteemed colleague, the mind flayer. I just happen to think that, uh, you know, the top marginal tax rate should be a little bit lower. My name's Mitch McConnell. Let's talk about the smoking age. Exit question on a scale of one to ten, with one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T level and T being as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. Rate this week's level of crazy, Aaron. Uh, This is going to be a 6.5. Todd. Eight. Nate. As related to what we've seen or what is coming, I can relate. It's like a Your choice. on the exhaustion scale. Yeah. As to what we've seen, this is like a seven. As to what we've, as to the crazy that's coming, this is like a two. Yep. yep. Um, as far as like the whole whirlwind of Omar and Mueller and budget crap, it's exhausting on an eight. But. Issue two brought to you by our friends at Genesis 950. Before you make that uh, major investment to purchase new carpeting, I've done it before, trust me, unless you can lay your own carpet. It's expensive. And then they, sometimes when you get that quote, by the way, they don't tell you that, well, the padding, you, you know, that, that didn't come up in the quote. Make sure when they give you the quote, you ask, well, that, does that include the padding? You know to ask, does it include the labor? But make sure you ask about that. Because you know what the padding matters for? A lot of times you've cleaned your carpets, you vacuum them, and you're like, why does it still smell like my dog pee in here? Well, that's where Genesis 950 can help you. Um, it, it, the, it's a deep clean that gets down into the padding of carpet. Now, you can use this to clean the grease stains on your garage floor, the really nice stuff the quartz and granite in your kitchens and bathrooms but where it really shines is getting those pet 
stains and odors out of the carpeting all the way down into the padding. And it's green safe, so it's safe for your kids and for your pets as well. If you want to give Genesis 950 a try, and I would urge, try it before you bite the bullet on all new carpeting. Give Genesis 950 a try. And if you use promo code BLAZE when you go to check out, they'll give you a discount as well. When you go to Genesis950.com, promo code BLAZE to get that discount. Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. Let's get to issue two, famous last words. We may not know what we or anybody else's gender is anymore, but one thing remains certain. We're all going to die. When they put you six feet under, your tombstone, however, will live on, at least for a little while. So why not have some fun with it? Like this one, I was hoping for a pyramid. Or this one, sucks to be me. Or this, uh, that's all, folks. But what about America's tombstone? Steve gave you, the audience, the chance to vote on four different options to put on America's proverbial tombstone. Those options were bake the cake bigot, wax my balls bigot, Drag Queen Storytime, and Robot Umpires. Wax My Balls Bigot won with a resounding 59% of the vote. All right, so which of those do you think is the most fitting epitaph for the artist formerly known as Western Civilization? And I'll start with you this time, Todd. Well, I'm sure the last, the one that got the least amount of votes was there just to mess with me a little bit. And I, I, that was, I put that there. That was my pandering to you. Uh, I yes. appreciate that. Yeah. The the one that got the most is is correct. Wax my balls, bigot, because of how it. I mean, it. We, our nickname for this this guy should just be Slippery Slope now. I mean, it is the <laughs> uh, he is the embodiment of everything right. that we've been talking about. But I just want to say briefly, I'll let everyone. It has the, the fact that we got to that point with Mister Slippery Slope has a lot more to do with robot umpires that you think. Yes. And I'm being, I'm being yes. dead serious about that. And perhaps Steve will give me a half hour to go because it's a whole show on my own. This is kind of my version of eschatology. <laughs> um, and maybe we'll do that. But it, I'm, I'm being very serious about that. You're going to, are you saying there's a link? The desire, yep. the, the belief that we can make every possible outcome egalitarian yes. and utopian yes. that there are similar yeah, impulses are, driving both of them in your in view both cases we're in an entirely unserious people about first things hmm. what do you think nate what's your favorite famous last words up there with the audience i mean robot umpires has a lot of merit it just needs better packaging but as far as the as far as my my personal favorite based on the news cycle it's wax my balls bigot like that like this is and it's going to be whatever the iteration is after Wax My Balls Bigot. Like, I don't know where the crazy goes after Wax My Balls Bigot, but that that's going to be even more apt of an epitaph on America's tombstone. You have, you have posed quite the conundrum. Yep. Like, what, what is, and I'm not even sure if we came up with it, could we say it on the air? Right. What, I, I what, don't what is nuttier, so. and that's not a pun, I just... <laughs> There it is. See, we don't. <laughs> I, 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 if it was, I'd tell you. I, no, I just. I, what? What's? So, let, try, try, I'm afraid to even say wackier because there's a derivative word there. You, Aaron, you talk. I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to interject. Todd dropped this a little bit ago. Uh, the word eschatology, and this is what this is the trap that people fall into a lot with ex- eschatology, is that they conflate uh, direct prophecy with apocalyptic prophecy. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting excited here. Direct prophecy would be like the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, where there are di- direct, tangible uh, things that can be measured and seen in the past um, that were that were prophesied about the Messiah, uh, about Jesus Christ, that we know are true. Apocalyptic um, prophecy 
is completely different. It's full of colorful metaphorical imagery, and people get into trouble when they assign direct meaning sometimes to what those things mean. This, how this, um, how this relates to this part of the conversation is that people try to assign exactly what's going to come. Uh, from uh, and uh, I saw in the sky a dragon with three heads and ten horns and you know that type of right, thing. Right, right. People try to deduce that what's going to happen from that when there's 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 no there's no reason or rhyme. That's exactly what's going to happen. We don't know. However, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We just know we are going to find out. Especially when it comes to whatever comes after wax my balls. So that's the point that I'm trying to make. We don't know what's going to come next. But we know we're going to find out eventually, and that's that's exciting, isn't it? Now, to actually answer your question, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the route that Todd kind of went at the end with the robot umpires. You can't get baseball right. You're never gonna get a gender right. You're never going to get. Uh, you're never going to get your sexual orientation right. You're never going to get a budget. You're never going to get anything right. And once you start going down the ro- road of tinkering and trying to make you baseball utopian. Um, baseball, America's pastime, been around for um, long before any of us were born or any of us and going to be around hopefully for long after we're, we're dead. If you can't get that right and you start walking down the road of trying to screw with that game, uh, that's that. here's your sign. That was the canary in the coal mine. So there's, there's that. He, I'm going to, you know what? I think I know what's going to come next. I have an offering too. I think it's going to be pedophilia is what's going to come next. I, I think, by the way, the wax my balls bigot it's guy. In, yeah. What, 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 what was the follow up story uh, that he wanted? Uh, uh, he wanted uh, you to drop your parent, your kids off un, unchaperoned uh, at his pool party uh, for a topless uh, swim uh, swim uh, outing for as young as twelve, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. So for as long, young as twelve. So I think it's going to be pedophilia. You've got the thing going on with the Amazon documentary right now, where Amazon's bookstore purged. Um, all of the books uh, that dealt with uh, faith-based counseling for people that wanted to leave uh, aside homosexuality. And I have to tell you, in my career, I've interviewed at least a half dozen people that uh, used to be full-fledged homosexuals and now aren't. In fact, the guy, in the 90s, there was a very famous Time magazine cover about uh, gay teens. And, they, and there was a young man on the cover named Michael Glatz. Uh, he ended up leaving homosexuality behind, getting married, they did like a movie about him that James Franco was in a, a couple of years ago. So I've interviewed several people who uh, formally identified as full-fledged homosexuals and then left that life behind and had families and marriages and were perfectly fine. And so Amazon is purging those books from its bookstore while, the, while you can get a sympathetic on the Amazon Prime service. You can get a, a, a documentary that's sympathetic to... Uh, to pedophilia, so I, I think that's going to be where we're going to go next. Because we've already we've already wrecked all of our own orifices. Orifices. We've already redefined all of our own physiology as adults. We've already deformed ourselves. The only thing left to do now is is to just f- move further down the generational scale and start doing it to those already, right? And, and aren't we there with child drag yes. queens and everything yeah, else? Aren't we those the entry there. drugs yep. to more normalizing this in the end? Yes. 
I, so I think we're because we're there. The final destination is is deicide, the killing of God. I think there's going to be a claiming of actual religious status. These people will be the priests uh, and priestesses, and they're going to use this uh, in a way just like the um, uh, marriage amendment at the federal level that mm-hmm. you that you've diagnosed boomerang back, and they used as a way of right. destroying marriage. Right. I think this is a way of them a final attack on the First Amendment. Of it. Exit question: Who speaks at CPAC first, me or? Uh, you're a, a conservative pedophile. I'm just kidding. Uh, true or false? No, you're not. We already know the answer already to that question. Uh, true or false? This insanity and depravity is not as widespread across the country as we're led to believe by our opponents on the left. But what's far more widespread is most of the country's unwillingness to stand up to it. True or false, Todd? False. I firmly believe in the latter part, but I think it is more widespread. Okay. What do you think, Nate? True or false on that? I'm with Todd on this one. It's there. It's there. And we're, stu- we're 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 dealing with it. Whether or not that like there's no appetite. There's very little appetite to actually like to go to the mattresses on this issue to really fight the culture war. But really, is there? Okay. What do you think, Aaron? Exact same answer. So you guys do think this is more widespread? Yep. Yes. You mean you think it's outside of the left America's America pockets of of paganism? You think it's well, more systemic than that? Yes. Well, okay. I don't think the so the I think the compost and the soils there and this like just enough for the seeds to germinate and there's not there's enough apathy about it there's enough and there's enough people who go by and skate along in their in their day to day lives on these platitudes about human morality that yeah it may as well already be there and the soil the soil's ready the seeds are there it's just a matter of actually sprouting. Hmm. I I think I might actually answer true if it was me. I don't think it's as widespread. I think I think the complacency and lackadaisical approach to it and the unwillingness to want to confront it or get involved is is far more, far more widespread is what I think. Actually, I'm, I'm, I think that was my answer, even though I answered wrong. Oh, you think you think the same way? Yeah, I think that's that's what my answer was, even though I said false. Okay, I, okay. All right, we'll I come back. Mueller and ask you to repeat the question. We'll find out. We'll talk impeachment. Is it dead? And is it about to become the Marvel Social Justice Warrior universe? That and more next year on The Days Group, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, if you're trying to get healthy, uh, trying to drop that weight you don't, you don't need, and now you're, you're, you're doing the active lifestyle thing, you're even trying to eat right, but man, now you're even hungrier than you were before, and, and you're not seeing the results that you want. Well, most of, of weight loss, a lot of being healthy, you know, the formula about health between fitness and diet is kind of reversed compared to if you want to lose weight. That's going to be mostly about your diet. And, and for a lot of us, one of the reasons why our, our metabolisms and the like don't work the way they did before is there's this thing that goes between your gut to your brain. It's got a long name, but its abbreviation is OEA. It's basically just a, it's a beacon. It's a signal that lets the, from the gut that lets the brain know when you're full. That, that helps to regulate how much you eat. Because, I mean, if you have a food allergy, Aaron's a celiac, some of you may have peanut allergies. If you have food allergies, then it is what you eat. But for most people, it's not what they eat, but how much. 
all right, portion control. And this is where Riduzone wants to give you a hand. They want to put that OEA back in your body. When you turn the bottle over, look at the ingredients. You're not going to see 19 chemicals you can't pronounce. You're not going to see one, in fact, because really all it is is just that OEA. It's just about putting that signal back in the gut so that the gut then helps to regulate your portion control, and then the rest of your body kind of does its job. Now, if you want to give this a shot, maybe this has been what's missing in your ongoing losing battle with your bulge. All right, go to riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Use my name, Steve, and uh, for an offer code. And they'll give you a special offer at checkout when you do. Promo code Steve at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. All right, let's get back to the day's group. Nate Madden is our special guest uh, co-host or co-panelist here on this week's group alongside Todd and Aaron. As we get to issue three, this is how impeachment ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Former special counsel Robert Mueller finally testified in front of Congress this week, and it was, well, it was something. The president committed the crime of obstruction. You could not publicly state that in your report or here today. Can you repeat the question, sir? I'm not going to answer that. You're going to have to repeat that for me. I'm not familiar uh, uh, with uh, with that. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Can you repeat the last part of that question? Yeah. I'm not going to engage in discussion about what happened after the uh, production of our uh, report. Vigil is, in fact, obligated to provide what's being demanded by the regulation or statute, meaning you don't have any wiggle room, right? I'd have to look more closely at the statute. I just read it to you. Now, can you get into details? That's not in my purview. Well, I, I, I can't get into who wrote it. So you have Nancy Pelosi out there. Since we put this uh, rundown together, Nancy Pelosi's out there saying she believes Robert Mueller proved that Trump obstructed justice. If you believe that, you are the Speaker of the House. You swore an oath. Then, you know, it's your chamber that determines whether or not an impeachment indictment uh, is determined and you have the majority, then you have, if you believe that, Nance, put your cards on the table and let's do this. Otherwise, you're just doing to your base what Republicans did to theirs all those years and they promised to repeal Obamacare if elected. So let's get to the first question. Give me a word that you think best describes Robert Mueller's long-awaited yet disappointing testimony this week. I'll start with you, Aaron. Yeah, I think that word is... um uh, it's, it's definitely, um, I want to say, I'm not going to say what I was about to say, cause it's just too mean. I, I would say dry, just, there was, there was nothing there. And I could use dry as a descriptive word for this entire charade. A- again, as the conversation we had, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. I mean, this entire thing didn't teach us anything new. What was the what was the point of the whole of the whole investigation? Um, it was really just uh, a, a big oppo research effort funded by the American taxpayer. It was a click drive for both sides, um, political uh, media machines. And at the end of the day, it was much ado about n- nothing. Full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. So dry. It's just there. There is there is nothing there. This is in, in the dictionary definition of nothing. In the encyclopedia entry for nothing, it's going to be the Robert Mueller special counsel. I, and I don't know. I, it's so frustrating to me as well. Why the hell we're still talking about this? Honestly, what more is there to say? We've been talking about this for two and a half years. 
there's a, why 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 are we talking about this there is nothing more to say i want to push back on that a little bit it did accomplish something that matters we now know what a devin nunez is except you know the 75 percent of the time in congress he votes with democrats he's he we, we, he's now your new he became a new conservative hero i mean he, he he's a made man now yeah. you can't question him okay i mean uh ben sass rhino uh, with his ninety percent liberty score, <laughs> is it? I don't, is it Nunez Nunes? I don't know. I don't it, care. Nunes. Uh, we'll just go with Rhino. Uh, he's got like a twenty-eight percent liberty score. Is okay? that bad? That that's pretty bad. You know, I mean, let's just say it's not um, ideal. I'm, I'm going to be as fair here as I can. It's not. It's not ideal. So while he's up there uh, voting for Democrats with along with them on almost everything. Uh, you have been told and sold this notion that he is fighting for your values strictly because he called BS on this. Um, meanwhile, he's voting for BS on virtually every other front. So it accomplished that. Okay. So don't, don't sit there and say it didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, my bad. I mean, one of the worst rhinos in all of Congress is now the fate, one of the faces of the conservative movement. New Nate. conservative hero. hero yes. So it, it, it clearly accomplished something, Nate. Let's, let's be fair. Here's the other thing, Nate, that it accomplished. And you know this from covering Congress for every day. This, was a, this became the built-in excuse for two years for why the Republicans could keep almost none of their none of their promises that they were paralyzed by this investigation and Trump's focus is solely on defending the integrity of his presidency and 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 Congress for could do nothing other than wait for federal judges to die they could do nothing else like secure the border those two years because of this this threat of a coup all right that that was a convenient excuse for why Republicans couldn't keep any of their uh, promises for the for the previous two years, and it's the excuse. This is the excuse that Democrats are using now for why they have really no intent of 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 following through on on the promises they made to be a check and balance on Trump to their base last year. Am I wrong, Nate? No, no. As far as Democrat promises go, I like that. Why in the world would you ever get rid of, why would you ever resolve the issue that you need to bring people to the polls with? I mean, that's the, that's the politician's mm-hmm. question always. Why the Republicans didn't do it with Obamacare. Why in the world would we fix something that we can campaign on? And let's face it, that is, they want that to be a key 2020 thing. Mm-hmm. They want that. They, they would rather have the threat of another Trump presidency than actually follow through on this before 2020. So that's accurate. Just play a little devil's advocate. I mean, I'm not defending Devin Nunez's voting record from the right here. You can't do it. Um, the guy. It's also amazing to me that he got reelected in his district. Like the guys, the guys from a legitimate swing district, and he put himself on the map by being one of the only people on the House Intelligence Committee Republican side willing to actually knife fight on this thing. I, I will say that I, I was just impressed that he actually kept his seat. That's a good point. But I go to something Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, said in our state a few months ago after spending, you know, five half the year already campaigning in Iowa for the presidency. She noted, no one is asking me about Russian collusion. They're asking me about the opioid crisis. They're asking me about immigration. They're asking me about health care and climate change. No one, no one is asking me about this. Twitter is not America. Where you go to work every day to cover 
as you well know, Nate, is not America. Outside of Twitter, three cable news networks, and, and that Capitol Dome, there is no one else in this country who gives a turd with corns in it about this and hasn't outside of social media and three cable news networks for the last year and a half. I think that is reflected in Devin Nunez's reelection, don't you? Yeah, and it's also reflected in his voting record. I mean, the guys, uh, let's see, what does the California 22nd look like map-wise? Because I can't keep all of California straight um, because they've got too many and they're all weird. Well, that's also because not a lot of California is straight. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah. <laughs> Ba-doom. Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's not quite, it's not, you know, close enough to either SF or LA to be that, 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 you know, he might be able to get away, get away with a little bit more, but we are talking about the Southern half California here. Um, not an excuse, explanation. Duly noted. Todd, your thoughts? The word I have is uh, Tuesday. Just yeah. a day. Yeah. This is who we are. <laughs> totally unremarkable. I don't think Nate. Did you ever give me a word, by the way, that described Mueller's testimony? I don't oh, think I asked no. you. Do you have I a word? We just jumped in like word uh, to describe Mueller's thing. Pitiful. All right, so pitiful. All right, I you know we came in expecting this guy, this career pro, this former Marine, you know, career prosecutor, the guy who took on organized crime. That's what we were expecting to right. show up, and we saw a confused guy who's well past his professional prime. Yeah, we got it. We got a shuffleboard tournament instead, and that's it what was we got. Sad. Like, yeah. I felt bad. I, I I quit pitching stories on this testimony about halfway through it because it just felt dirty to try to write anything more about this because you just started to feel like at some point you're just beating up on, on a guy. It seemed like that's how the Republicans him. felt. Like, they just started taking a knee at the beginning of the like, fourth quarter realizing they just, why run up the score all the more, right? Like, it's at some point it's just bad sportsmanship. You're watching the boxing match where the guy should, like, like where, where the corner boss is out to lunch – you know the guy's getting the guy's getting it handed to him. He's probably he's going to walk away from this with permanent brain damage. But you need to see you know you need somebody to call this thing. The refs the refs not going to do it. And you just throw in the damn towel. Go. <laughs> like stop the match. Todd, go ahead. No, I say Tuesday because it was a perfect perfect fitting to what we've been doing for two two years now. If this always felt. Like it was a whole bunch of nothing being blown up into a whole bunch of something. And that's exactly what it was at, at uh, the end. I mean, it's 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 it was a perfect Tuesday, uh, uh, just two years of perfectly terrible Tuesdays. <laughs> Let's get to the exit question. Nate, you're not around here every day. I just want to tell you that I have accomplished one of the great theological wins in the history of Christendom. I have turned my ca- my Catholic here on my daily show into the most total depravity doctrinaire we have uh, on this show. Yep. He is the most total depravity person we now have. I'm gonna. I, I like to. I'm, the light is still there. I'm, I'm gonna declare. The light is there. I'm gonna declare that a win. Yes. Uh, exit question: If the entire Russian collusion narrative, investigation, mythology were a lyric to a popular '90s era grunge song, which lyric from a popular '90s grunge era song would it be? A. And I feel that time's a wasted go. So where are you going till tomorrow? And I see that these are lies to come. So would you even care? All right. That's plush by Stone Temple Pilots. B. Here they've come to snuff the rooster. Yeah, here comes the rooster. You know, he ain't going to die. That's Rooster by Alice in Chains. I was trying to go for something orange. C. Times are gone for honest men and sometimes far too long for snakes. Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. So three bleak outlook tunes 
three of the best from the 90s grunge era. Which of those lyrics do you think best sums up this entire whatever this was? Todd. C. Times are gone for honest men and sometimes far too long for snakes. Yes. See? That's the bleak Black Hole Sun. That's the bleakest total depravity song of them all. Hey, dude, give it up. Fist bump. I'm playing to I won, Nate. The Protestants won. Go ahead, Nate. You're up. Thank you for translating. At least thank you for translating that lyric from Black Hole Sun for me because I've never been able to understand it. Um, and thank you for bringing back all of those high school afternoons playing in garage bands. But for me, it's the rooster. Allison Chains. This ain't never going to die, man. Like this is. And like, yet the rooster so lives on. The rooster lives on, right? The rooster is the narrative, right? Yep. You know, it doesn't matter how many hits, doesn't matter how many times Bob Mueller gets up and, and does something like this. It doesn't matter how many, you know, how, how many inconclusive reports come out. It doesn't matter. This is the campaign message for 2020. You know, regardless of all this infighting and crap that we see mm-hmm. about all the different plans to pay for everybody's college and health care that matters on the Democratic in the primary right now. No, it's get short. As soon yeah. as the balloons come down, it is going to be about impeachment in Russia yep. again. Aaron, quickly. Uh, it's C because we're all on psychedelic drugs right now. All right. Issue four, the new MCU. Marvel and Disney announced their upcoming films for Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those films include Black Widow, The Eternals, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and TV shows including The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. I don't see any Avengers-style arch-narratives in that crop of stories. But you do see a lot of social justice virtue signaling in that crop of stories. All right. So if you were in charge of the MCU and you wanted to virtue signal that you're woke, create your ideal social justice warrior, politically correct superhero, including the name Todd. Well, he would be called the heretic. T-I-C-K added on it and dressed up as this little annoying bug that seems like it should have no power, but it keeps attaching itself to larger, far more noble beasts and giving them the equivalent of cultural Lyme disease. And we're <laughs> and we're going to pattern this guy after the real life father, James Martin. Ooh, that's a good reference, by the way. That was well done. Nate, go quick. That was beautiful. Uh, I... <laughs> Dog ate my homework on this one. I couldn't come up with anything. Like, I, I wanted to name something like Vision that was like Dissolution, and I wanted to be basically like the Pokemon Ditto where it just morphs into whatever the hell you need it to be. Yes. Ba- basically like the, the, the ever-progressing Slippery Slope narrative. I like that. Dissolutions and, uh, is, is, is its name, not a his. I've it's, got Dissolution it's name. that looks like a wad of pink chewed-up bubblegum. I like and it. And it just turns into whatever. I like it. What do you go? Aaron, go. Uh, mine would just be the word sorry on a white – no, a black piece of paper – and um, white or non 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 white uh, lettering. Yeah, it can't be white. Yes, it can't be white. Yes, it would just be sorry. And the power. Well, there's no power because that would assume that uh, power is associated with the patriarchy. Yeah, because you had so to take it away from somebody else. It's just right. the word sorry <laughs> on a piece of black paper. Oh, I like it. You guys, all all of you guys did well. Those were all good answers. All right, let's get to our predictions this week. Aaron, go. All right, AFC West, now we're in the AFC. Uh, I'm going with the Chargers. This is finally the year that they catch the Chiefs. Chiefs will still make the playoffs. I think they're actually going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to finish in second in the division, followed by the Broncos and the Raiders. Nate? 
I'm taking an 11th month old to Cabela's tomorrow, so I'm anticipating that I'm going to have to deal with at least one diaper blowout by the time I walk in the door and probably a stage three ass chewing by the time my wife figures out whatever I get at Cabela's. <laughs> that, and this is my life. That might be the safest prediction anyone has ever made <laughs> in the history of the Days group. Yes. Todd, go. I predict that I won't see a single one of those Marvel movies we just talked about until wow. it hits DVD. Not a single one of them, huh? That's what I predict. I'd like, oh. I want to be wrong, but that's my prediction. I'm going to the NFL because, you know, yesterday was the last Thursday for the rest of this year that we yep. won't have football. Uh, and the NFL preseason starts next Thursday with a Hall of Fame game. Since 1990, the NFL has averaged five new playoff teams per year. Here are the five teams that made the NFL playoffs last year that I predict won't make it this season. And then later I'll tell you which are the five teams that I think will replace them are. But for now, we're gonna, it's just going to go with the, the five teams who were in the playoffs last year who I think are now going to be out. All right? I think the Ravens will be out. I think the Seahawks will be out. I think the Cowboys will be out. Wow. I think the Bears will be out. And I think the Texans will be out. I think those are the five teams that made the playoffs last year that will be replaced uh, given what the trend has been in the NFL now for going on nearly 30 years. It's fascinating. That? Cowboys surprises me the most, not because I'm particularly high on them, but I'm not low on them either. Eight and a lot and of two people, last year in games decided by six points or less. Okay. That, that, that's one of those stats in the NFL Snaps where so many back. games yeah. are so close. Oh, the vast majority of NFL games are decided by one possession, eight points or less. You know, touchdown on a two-point conversion. The, when you're eight and two in those games, it, it snaps back on you the next year, I think. The Texans thing, is that a primarily you're selling on them or are you just buying the Colts? I think the schedule's tougher on buying the Colts and their offensive line, I think, is abysmal. Yeah. Makes sense. So that's why I'm and, and but but there's a reason they're last. I think they're the most talented of those of those of these five teams. Yeah. And I had to come up with a fifth. So then I had to look at the rest of the field and decide who do I think has a systemic weakness in the Texans and their offensive line, I think, is one. So that's why I went with them. Nate, good to see you, man. We'll do it again soon, all right? Take care. Thanks for having me, brother. Feedback Friday is coming your way next here live and on demand on The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Back in a moment. And we're back with our final hour of the week here, live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are still hanging around because they've got nothing better to do. I hope that's true about you as well. We need all the shut-ins we can get. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is D-E-A-C-E in case you were wondering. And if you are listening to us today via podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform uh, that you prefer, uh, we would be uh, very appreciative uh, of you doing so. Because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms, it's not Skynet that will rule us all, it is the algorithm. Uh, The more that the algorithms like us, all right, the more that you like us, the more the algorithms like us, the more people we are likely to find, and then the more likely we are to get to continue to do this. See, it's all, you know... um, it's part of the circle of life, Simba. Thank you to all of you that have sent us those uh, five-star reviews already. You might be thinking right now, dude, I, I'm, I think this show sucks. And that's okay. You might even be right. Don't lie. Now, if you, however, are very uh, have very poor taste or mediocre to fair to Midland standards uh, and you do like us, maybe embellish all the more. Thank you.
Uh, if you have a low credit score, that could keep you from getting the things you want, like a credit card, but even more uh, important things, a car, a house, even a new job, or more employers are checking credit ratings nowadays. That's not all. A low credit score can also mean that even if you do get approved, you'll get a higher interest rate than people who have the better scores. You don't have to keep living that way. Just call the specialist at creditrepair.com. They can help you to work to repair your credit and improve your score by removing inaccurate negative items like late payments, charge-offs, even collections and bankruptcies. Here's the number for your free credit evaluation, 1-800-501-3199. That's 1-800-501-3199. Now, when you call, you'll get a free credit report and score, and then you'll find out what creditrepair.com can do to help you improve it. This is for everybody except those who live in Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, and South Carolina. For the rest of you, if you want help repairing your credit score, call 800-501-3199, 800-501-3199, or go online to creditrepair.com. That's creditrepair.com. Let's get to some feedback Friday. This is uh, where you guys have let us know what you think about what we think uh, via email, Facebook, Twitter. Got an email yesterday, and a gentleman uh, named Mark Craven was listening to us, uh, or me, Kvetch, about the uh, the Beatles list of top 20 Beatles songs we had recently on Buy, Sell, or Hold. Uh, do, you, do you remember that, Aaron? Uh, rephrase that? The top 20 Beatles songs oh, on yeah, Buy, yeah, Sell, yeah, or yeah, Hold? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he wanted me to come up with my own list of top 20 Beatles songs. So I thought we'd begin this week on Feedback Friday with uh, some lighter fare, you know, just to get the... Oh, that's how up. you're going to coach this? You're, you're trying to correct the universe is what you're trying to do. Yeah. I, I thought, well, that's another way of looking at it, perhaps. <laughs> Folks, if you want to see Steve travel through the quantum realm back in time. I just thought maybe, you know, something light to get the palate going before we went to more substantive fare <laughs> later in the meal, right? Okay. 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 I mean, the fact that he sent me this email in the middle of yesterday's show... And I, I, I was so eager to respond to it that literally as I was talking during the show, I was sending him a reply email with the list of songs. Doesn't, don't, don't indicate that I'm taking this maybe way too seriously or it's not anything other than something fun because that actually happened, but don't read anything into that. All right. All right. I'm starting from the top. Number one, let it be. Number two, hey Jude. Number three, revolution. Number four, Back in the USSR. Number five, Can't Buy Me Love. Number six, Here Comes the Sun. Seven, Penny Lane. Eight, something. Nine, Obladi, Oblada. Ten, Yesterday. That's my top ten. Okay. Okay. Eleven, Come Together. Twelve, Dear Prudence. Thirteen, Paperback Writer. Fourteen, I Saw Her Standing There. Fifteen, Hello, Goodbye. Sixteen, The End. The full melody version of the last few songs of Abbey Road. 17, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. 18, Twist and Shout. 19, Got to Get You Into My Life. And 20, A Hard Day's Night. Those are my 20 greatest Beatles songs. Any thoughts? Eleanor Rigby. The, I mean, this is a pretty extensive song album. I just like, I think those 20 songs are better. But that's a great song. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean. How do you keep going after a certain point? Like, you, t- after top five, there's just so much greatness there. Like, what for this, what is your... Is your standard? See, I have the opposite problem: stopping at five. Like the to me, the first three are absolute. It, you know, if, if I had a trinitarian view of Beatles songs, you know, uh, it's "Let It Be," "Hey Jude," and "Revolution." Those are my those I think are the three greatest. The top three to me are 
Moses coming down from Mount Sinai okay, with a three. song list. After that is where I think it gets really hard. And it gets hard to just stop at five, I think. that's. But you made so, it to 20, so what were you doing? How'd you do it? Um, I went through... Off, you know, off the top of my head, you know, what I would, if I had like 50 of them, I could spout out. And I just started comparing them, you know, one to another. Which one do I think is greater or do I like better than the other? That's, that's so, where. In your college football preview in the Big Ten West, you assign a roster strength evaluation number, I believe, right, mm -hmm. uh, to every team. And it's really, really tight in the Big Ten West. There's only a handful of points separating mm -hmm. first from sixth. Mm -hmm. How many points, with that kind of as a metric or the metaphor, how many points separates one through 20? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. I don't think there's, I, I think one stands all by itself. Uh, and I, I, I think it's the second greatest song in the history of Western pop music, other than the who's we won't get fooled again. If I, if I came up with the, my all time list of greatest, you know, modern music songs, the who's won't, we won't get fooled again would be number one. Let it be would be number two. So I think let it be is in a class by itself. I think the next two are really close between revolution and Hey Jude. But I think those three are in a class by themselves. Four through 20. Um, I think it's, I think we're kind of getting into the big 10 West four through 20. Okay. I'll cut you some slack with Eleanor yeah. Rigby then. Yeah. How I, 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 I mean, it's into a good ballad as anybody else, but do you struggle at all putting let let it be more or less a ballad in the second t song all time of pop mm -hmm. music? That would be my number two song all time. Yeah, because you think I more think, rock I think and it, roll of I pop music than you think ballad. I think all those things apply. I I think let it be is the closest thing rock music can become to a hymn. I think it's a. I think I think I think it's not even a ballad. I think it transcends even that. It, it, I, th I think it, that I think particular it's a song does. But if you need, I mean, you just think when you think all times of pop music, you're you're thinking something kind of snappy. Well, pop is popular. That, that you know, they steps on the gas. You know, it, it can mean you know, grunge was pop was pop music in the early '90s. Katy Perry and and uh, Ari Ariana Grande yeah. are pop music now. Yeah, you know, so it just depends yeah. on the era. But yeah. pop is a is a term for you know whatever the whatever the zeitgeist views favorably at a given particular sure. time. Sure. Buddy Holly was pop. Yeah, and now it's vintage. You know, so just kind of yeah that changes. Okay. Lewis Goldman has a question. Let's go to him next. He says, Steve, I've got a dilemma. If human nature is usually directed in a negative, self-serving, even evil direction. And God is a force for good. See, I told you we were going to start off the palate just to kind of, you know, whet the appetite a little bit before we moved on to more substantive fare, okay? Uh, if human nature is usually directed in a negative, self-serving, even evil direction, and God is a force for good and love, why doesn't God simply correct the bad impulses? You are not a deist, I presume. That is an excellent question, all right? Um, I would argue that God has offered a correction to your bad influences. When, when you become a Christian, you know, people argue, is Christianity a religion or is it a relationship? Yes. Uh, I'm, I, the whole argument, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, usually means I don't want to have to obey anything other than what I want to do at the time and God will still love me. Like you wouldn't, you would have to drag me off to a gulag and dope me up with 
crystal meth that's like been spoiled outside for months into my veins to get me to watch a nanosecond of The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, any of those kinds of shows. But I see them trending all the time in my social media feed. And apparently they had a, this, this season was the bachelorette and not the bachelor. And apparently the woman identified as a Christian and, and essentially she articulated a philosophy known as antinomianism. And that's a fancy stained glass letter word for, I can live and do whatever I want and still be a Christian. Um, that's, that's not true. <laughs> okay. Should we go on sinning that grace may abound? Yes. Yeah. So the, the the point of Christianity is to usher you into a religion of relationship. There are creeds, there are dogmas, there are sacraments, all of the other traditional trappings of a religion. The difference between this one though is that the the end game of a comp of the end game of working out your salvation through all of these disciplines is to enhance and further and deepen your relationship with God. It is not to please him. You can't. I mean, well, you can't macro ways. In micro ways, sure you can. Number one way you please God is by seeking uh, this relationship. How do we seek this relationship? Well, a great place to go to look for a model of this is when God put himself in human form in the form of Jesus Christ and at the most tenuous, stressful moment of his earthly existence. He sits there in a garden of Gethsemane so stressed to the point that he is sweating blood. That's how high his anxiety level is. But he, 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 he prays, Father, not my will, but your will be done. When Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. What does he say? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed or honored be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning, how do you pray? You pray for God's will to be done in your life and in the affairs of of, of this planet. Why would you want God's will to be done? Because you have the faith to believe through the evidences that God has granted you by making you in the first place by giving you basic necessities, by sending you, a, 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 you know, in, in another era, a deliverer from slavery. If you, are, if you, if you were a, a Jew um, at the time of, of Moses, by sending you a Messiah to deliver you from the bondage of your own sin and the pit that it drags you down into in the form of Jesus Christ. For the law came through Moses and tra- grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so... That relationship and that you, you in faith want God's will done in your life because you believe, even if you don't see it, it's impossible to please God without faith. And yet faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. And so you, you hope and, and believe based off of the evidence that God has provided you already in the past that the future and the present will work out the way God wants because you have faith based on the evidence that God has granted you that you can be, you can love, you can trust in him for it is by faith. You have been saved through the free gift of grace. Lest any man would boast. Think of if Lewis, are you a parent? Let me put, let me put it in a plainer way. 
what's the what's what is the greatest honor a parent can receive from a child? When your child comes back to you and says, "You know what? You were right. I should have trusted in you. I should have listened to you." Or it doesn't make any sense to me right now. I don't see it right now, but based off of the evidence of how you have loved me and cared for me up until this point, I will take your counsel and follow through. Because even though I don't see the outcome, the evidence is there that you want and know what is best for me. Is there anything more that honors a parent from their ch- to get receive from their child than those things? Well, that's an emulation of what of what is one of the greatest honors that we can give our our heavenly Father. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm not I'm not a public speaker. I don't know how I'm going to go out there and give this speech. Or, you know, I. <sighs> I'm not, I'm afraid to take initiative. What if this, if I do and I ask her out or I ask her to marry me and she rejects me, I mean, whatever the situation, I'm just coming up with situations right now off the top of my head, whatever they may be. But the idea that all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. It doesn't mean you will get the outcome all the time that you want and desire. That's what they're selling you on most of those shows on TBN right now. Don't watch that crap. Those are heresies. Right? Doesn't mean you're going to end up rich. Doesn't mean you're going to end up with a perfect life or a perfect marriage. Doesn't mean you won't end up rich. I don't know. But it means that you seek whatever hardship may come. Whether you are uh, you're a nun that has decided God has called you to live in the bowels of the caste system of Calcutta for decades. Or whether you're the uh, you're 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 going to minister to the Hollywood stars, whatever whichever end it is, or whether you're just going to live a life with a husband or a wife and raise children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and do your best with the skills God gave you as a postman on an assembly line, roofing. Those are noble and virtuous occupations and vocations as well. And you'll just be the deacon in your local church, and you'll faithfully tithe and serve. You know, it's interesting in the scriptures, God, God doesn't just, doesn't just um, reserve the names of the great apostles, Paul, Peter, John, but all of the people who did the most menial tasks to build his temple, uh, to, to, to build uh, his tabernacles, all their names are recorded as well because they're just as important. So whichever, wherever you may fall on the scale there, of calling that in the end you trust that this is that the best path for your life is the one that your creator has for you. And that's what changes your will. That's what changes your desires. Now it is not an overnight process. I just speaking from my own experience, things about me that were terrible went away. Some of them right away. Over the course of the last 16 years, others have gone away. And it's been 16 years since my conversion, and some of them stubbornly haven't gone. And in fact, I don't want some of them to go. I'm kind of clinging to them. But I can promise you I'm going to end up losing that argument. It's just a matter of what price am I willing to have to pay in order to, before I finally figure that out. And that's true of all the rest of us. That's the struggle. From the time of Jacob, what does it mean? One who wrestles with God. And that's, that's what relationship looks like. And it's the relationship 
See, our creator isn't interested primarily in you just checking boxes. Well, I didn't murder anybody today. I didn't steal from anybody today. I didn't adulterate today. Any more than if your earthly wife, um, it's great that you earned a living. That's important to her. It's great that you discipline the children. That's important to her. But you know what's more important to her than anything else? Her relationship with you. That's more important to her than anything else. And she's made in the image of God too. Where do you think she got that? Where do you think she got that desire from? From her, from, he created them, male and female, in his image, Moses writes. He created them. She's made in the image of God too. And, and that's, an, that is a, that, that's a mirroring of the greatest desire God has for you and I as individuals, whether we're male or female. The desire of that relationship. He is God. He's the most powerful being in the cosmos. He could compel his will at any point in time that he wants. Just like when your children, when you are clearly superior to your children in every way, you can do the same. But ultimately, do you, what kind of reward do you feel as a parent for that? And when they get older and they're able to make decisions on their own and they totally rebel once they're out from underneath your thumb, do you realize maybe that wasn't the best path to go? God could do the same thing to all of us but that would make us robot umpires. That, that's not a relationship. It's the relationship that changes the behavior. The behavior doesn't change the relationship. Something happens to us from the inside out, not from the outside in. And then when, start, when things start happening to us from the inside out, that's when people see real change on the outside. You guys want to add to that? Yeah, I, I don't know the motivations of the question asker, but this is a serious question that canon should be asked by a believer and a non-believer alike you know, to try to sort through this uh, game called life. And I know that when I was asking uh, these questions earlier in my faith, one thing I came to realize is that I needed uh, to have a far more robust understanding and relationship with the third person of the trinity the holy spirit i mean your question fundamentally i i, I think was wh why doesn't god intervene get involved yeah he's getting involved all the time through his spirit in this age um i think one thing we as believers if you're acting from that perspective on some level uh oftentimes and i know i i think steve and i are kind of cut from the same cloth that maybe early on we had this sense as well uh, a more um, a more Romanized Stoic notion of faith that it was just you know kind of a raw willpower thing. Mm -hmm. It's not that that's not in there on some level, but that is still subservient to ultimately humbling oneself uh, to the Holy Spirit, uh, and that's a, uh, a a thing that I think a lot of Christians. I think it's just a. I think the the workings of the Spirit are kind of a tack on. They kind of. They get creator, they get redeemer, sanctifier. It's just kind of this muddled mess in their faith. And I think if it's not, then you have the answer to your question. Essentially, if I understand the question correctly, it's so why doesn't God make us into robots? Um, would that be fair? Well, no. It's, you're right, that is what the question really is. Right. 
But that's because most people have never truly, I wasn't taught what, what, what a religion of relationship means. Sure. And, and why are there so many analogies to a marriage uh, between a man and a wife, between Christ and his church in the New Testament, okay? Yeah, and m- most of us haven't been taught these kinds of things. And so we we don't realize we're asking God to make us robots because we don't think there's anything in between I have total free will to be an absolute fiend or why doesn't God stop me from doing all the bad stuff I want to do? That that th- There's nothing between those two those those two cornerstones. See what I'm saying? Yes, I do. And um, I, I would say, even even I, I want to look at this from the view of how we view of how we view God. God could have made this any which way, or or formatted this relationship or this religion or our relationship to Him, whatever that looks like, in any way. He pleased in ways that we can't even comprehend or understand or conceive of because he is God and he is all powerful and he's the most powerful being being in the universe inside out whatever he is the most he could have designed this anyway why did he do it the way that he did well there are some theories because this brings the most glory to him what is God's purpose for us what is God's overarching purpose in the universe what is his purpose his purpose is to bring glory to him. That is that is the purpose of of God. Um, the, he could have he could have done this any way he choose he chose. Uh, and there are some theories, but at the end of the day, and this is going to sound circuitous, circuitous but I want to underscore a, a high view of God here. The reason why it's a religion of relationship is because that's the way God designed it. At the end of the day, again, circuitous. It sounds circuitous from the outside, but he is God. He could have done it any way he chose. He chose to do it this way, uh, the, the, for the reasons or for the way that you just described it, Steve. But that's that's the way it is. And again, that's not um, that's not exactly a. <sighs> that's not an answer. Maybe that's satisfying for some people, but at the end of the day. It is because he is God, and that's he. He can do anything he wants because he is God. Does I that think, make sense? I think it's a lot easier to take that answer if you have a Trinitarian view. Yeah, I think if you don't have a Trinitarian view of God, it's more difficult to accept that answer. And here's why: because if you have a Trinitarian view of God, then you accept relationship is the very essence of God's yep. nature. He is a relationship in and of himself. All right. If if you if you recognize that then it's easier to make to, to accept what you just said, which is God made it that way because that's the way he wanted it. Well, you're going to ask, well, why did he want it that way? Because that's, that's because the way God, God is. Yes. God is that way. He's, a, he's relationship within, him, within himself. And that's why I said it's not a satisfying answer because it, it does sound circuitous if you do not have a right understanding or perspective of God. Right. If, you re, if, you, if you have a non-Trinitarian view of God, you're going to struggle with that question. And that's why, that's why, by the way, non-Trinitarian worship, acts of worship for, of God tend to favor, fall heavily on the behavioral angle. Because there's, because the notion that God is set apart is taken to an ultimate level. And that therefore I almost have to become, in a way, many God-like to commune with him. And, and that, that's, 
now we're getting into theological weeds that we need people a lot, frankly, smarter than us who have more than 30 minutes left in their program uh, to discuss. But, but that's at least a layman's explanation, best I can come up with anyway, Lewis, for what is one of the, one of the most important questions of the age that you just asked. Really. And ask yourself this question. I'll leave you with this. You're made in God's image. So some of the desires you have are reflective of that image. Not all of them are, obviously, because we're sinners. But some of them certainly are. The desire you would have to, to risk your life for somebody else, sacrifice yourself for somebody else. For love knows no greater man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's, that's an emu- You're mirroring the, Im- the Imago Dei that you are. Do you... Does your, does the image of God in you seek a God who compels through coercion or seeks relationship and discipleship to change you for the better? Do you, do you think there's a reason we as human beings naturally rebel against compulsion and coercion? We have a, even when, by the way, it's we, like when we're kids and we need adults and, and, and coaches and parents to kind of compel us to do the right thing because we don't know any better, right? Even from the youngest ages, it's not just that we are sinners, that we have this compulsion or we have this knee-jerk reaction against compulsion and coercion. There's another reason for it too. Because the God in whose image you were made is not a God of compulsion or coercion. A God of relationship, of long suffering, where mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, sooner or later, there will be a judgment. But he tends to play that card a lot later on, on us than we would probably play it on one another. So, yes, part of it is we have a rebellious nature, but there's another part of the reason why we have an instant suspicion for coercion and compulsion. Because it's the God in whose image we are made is not a God of compulsion or coercion. That's why a lot of times it runs anathema to us. That's why, by the way, when we try to practice it on one another, we turn into tyrants and abuse it. That's the story of human history. When we, when, when we try to use coercive and compulsive force over one another, once we're old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, when we try to use it this way over one another, more times than not, it will slip into abuse, demagoguery, tyranny. Why? Because we're now acting outside of the image of God that we were made in. And, and when we act outside our image of God, the further we drift away from that relationship with God, the more estranged that relationship becomes. And the more we become who we are in our base nature, east of Eden, than we are in recognition of our Imago Day. Does that make any sense? Total. Excellent question. Good stuff. I will come back. More feedback Friday coming your way here live and on demand on The Blaze. Steve at stevedacecom is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. More in a moment. <laughs> 
Millions of Americans right now are losing the battle in their own bodies against inflammation, and that's why they are suffering from what's called chronic pain. That's pain as a result of too much inflammation in parts or the whole body. And given the numbers of of Americans struggling and and living with this right now, there's a pretty good shot. At least one of the people in our audience would be among them. I I certainly was. Uh, And I heard about Relief Factor when I'd come on other Blaze shows before we started broadcasting here uh, every single weekday. And I'd hear the rave reviews and I'm like, gosh, can it really be that good? Yes. Uh, This is a fantastic product, 100% drug-free, even though it is fully created the formula of four natural ingredients by physicians. So what's that tell you? It tells you they were tired of just prescribing drugs to treat symptoms. They, They wanted to unleash the power that nature, your creator, gave the body to naturally push back and defeat inflammation. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. You try it right now. It's called the Starter Kit. For three weeks, it's 20 bucks, just a dollar a day. What do you have to lose for a buck a day? Uh, Maybe... Finally, hopefully the pain. Uh, if you want to give it a shot, I'm certainly a, a, a whole full-throated endorser, wholehearted. I use this product every day. Relieffactor.com is the website to try the starter kit. That's relieffactor.com. All right, gentlemen and ladies who are also watching and listening, let's get back to some Feedback Friday. This is from Jesse who says a little bit about myself. I'm 25 years old. I live in Colorado. I don't have kids, but I'm in a long-term relationship and we intend to tie the knot as soon as possible. I want as many kids as I possibly can. So does my girlfriend. The life debate has always been something that's been a rough spot though in our relationship. She's entirely apolitical, but believes that a woman should be able to choose to have an abortion. Although she also admits she personally never would. She doesn't see the pro-life movement as anything, but old politicians trying to yada, yada, yada. We have decided to just not discuss politics with each other to avoid heated arguments and haven't had an in-depth debate about it in years. Since then, she was there for the birth of both of my beautiful nieces, both my beautiful niece and nephew. Joyful tears filled her eyes on both occasions. Recently, I I went with a non-biased approach and told her about recent remarks from certain Democratic leaders regarding abortion i told her about legislation both proposed and passed recently and the disgusting utilization of the memorial of one of the worst tragedies in u.s history to celebrate it i myself am a combat veteran and very patriotic as well this hit her it also hurt her i can see the gears turning in her head she witnessed the birth of my niece and nephew the latter born with a minor deformity that still would have secured him a home in Margaret Sanger's wastebasket, and I think she is really struggling with her position. I did not dedicate myself to my relationship with her, with her expecting her to change on this, but I see this as an opportunity to really open her eyes. What steps would you take with her to maybe encourage her to look further into the atrocities of the pro-choice stance? I don't want to push and push and push so much so that it turns her off to the idea of maybe switching to another position on this, which is what has happened historically when I've tried it. Is there any insight you guys could provide for how to push someone who believes that a woman's reproductive rights should be extended to abortion in some cases, but who is also starting to struggle with some of the realities of the act of actually killing the child? Again, that is from Jesse. First of all, Jesse, thank you for your service to the country, number one. Number two, um, the movie Unplanned was made 
for people like your fiance, who are people who are pro-choice. One of the things I, I learned many years ago in the pro-life movement is we needed to draw a distinction between people who are pro-killing, pro-baby murder, and pro-choice. They're two different things. One way you can tell the difference, if someone comes at you with, um, we can uh, kill a child at any point in time in a pregnancy, and that's reproductive freedom. But if you think we ought to execute those who would then kidnap that child after it's born and rape them to death, then you're heartless. Those are people who just want to kill babies. There's not a lot of those people, by the way. They just happen to be running one of the major political parties in America at the moment and occupying and overseeing the majority of newsrooms in America. When you get outside of that and then faculty departments at major universities, when you get outside of those three enclaves, I don't believe you've, and, and those three people, those three groups of people seem on, um, you know, on the present because of, of, of the platforms they control, but there's really not that many of them. In, in, in terms of the total population of America, all of the professors in, in, of every university are a scant portion. All of the feminists, all of the, um, uh, all of the people in newsrooms cheering on the bloodlust. All of these people, when you even combine them, make up a scant minority, not even close to 50%, like probably barely even double digits of the American people. It just seems like they're omnipresent because of the kinds of platforms that they have access to and, and dominate. And that's why, they, that's why they performed Antonio Gramsci's long march through the institutions. So they can convince people like you and I, Jesse, that they're in total control when they're not. Most people on this issue who are not pro-life are like your fiance. They are pro-choice. They can't see themselves making their own decision to kill a child, or maybe they have in the past and kind of feel bad about it, and their guilt is telling them that they have to be pro-choice now rather than letting um, grace come in and, and heal them from that sin that they made. But most people are pro-choice and feel the way your fiance does. The movie Unplanned, which comes out on DVD, I believe, August 9th, I think that's, I think that's the date I was told. August 9th is when the DVD comes out. Um, or somewhere around there, because that's actually a Friday, and most of them come out on a Tuesday, 13th. Right? 13th, so the following Tuesday. Thank you. It was made for people like your fiance. For them to understand that reproductive freedom ends after you've already reproduced. I agree that a woman does not has a right to not get pregnant if she doesn't want to. Does any we have three white dastardly white males on this set? Do any of us believe that a woman should be forced against her will to become pregnant? No. 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 But reproductive freedom ends when you've already reproduced. I agree you have should have the freedom whether to reproduce or not. But then once you have reproduced, now it's about what do you do with the reproduction? And I think the story that, uh, that, that unfolds about Abby Johnson in this film is going to hit home with your fiance because it's pretty, almost the exact same story. Almost the exact same lines, talking points. And, and, and then I would just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. I, I wouldn't change up anything else at all. I, I think you're, you've learned some valuable lessons about when to put your thumb on the scale and when not to. And I mean, I think you're otherwise you're on the right course, but I think a movie like Unplanned would 
would speak to her quite a bit. It is it is made for people like her. You guys want to add any of that? Well, as you are getting perhaps closer to marriage, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I, I generally agree, Steve. It seems like you've handled it well up till now. But if you are starting to feel more pressure because you're closer to marriage, I, I, I don't know if that's the case, but I'm, I'm just going to entertain the possibility. Here's one thing, because this isn't any old person we're talking about. It's your future wife. You, you can't need her or require her to change. That, that, that's all kinds of red flags if that's the territory uh, you're starting to get into. And she can't be your project. Uh, there, it seems like most of the times that this has come up so far has been it, when it's organic. And that's the best way. And there's going to be plenty of times for this. To, you can't live in this world unless your head's in the sand. Now, that's the part. When it's organic and it comes up and it and if uh, she simply like can't, won't, blames you instantly if you uh, bring it up uh, increasing in the future, well, th- that's a her problem because that's just not adulting. Um, but also, you know, that there's that you might have to continue to be patient well into your marriage uh, on topic like this. That That's just the thing. You cannot... Um, because if you can't, then you start need to start look yourself in the mirror. And perhaps you're asking this question because you're wondering if you can do that. I do, if that's not true, it's not true. But uh, you need to ask yourself that question. I was just going to simply say, now I, I like the idea of, of, you know, watching unplanned, but I was going to simply say the conscience is pricked. It's just a matter of time until she is where probably you are. I mean, at least to some degree, unless her heart hardens again somehow some way but if the once the conscience is pricked in this way have you guys ever heard of a story of somebody going from pro-choice to pro-life and then back to pro-choice or then no back to pro no i don't have not no there you go and, and that's pr- that's true whenever there's a case of man's inhumanity to man yes like no one no one ever left the clan because they realized their heart their conscience was pricked that they were gonna they deserved hell for their racism and wanted to, and then after, and then after a while, I thought, you know, in the end, actually, I'm going back. That, no matter what the whatever the cause of the age is that that we justify man's and the dehumanizing of certain others, no one ever go once they realize the the they're on the wrong side of the equation here. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody ever deciding like, after thinking about it and then realizing they're wrong, going back to being wrong again. Have you ever heard about something like that? Well, not in the exact same way. I mean, they backslide in other ways, but yeah. no, you're, of course, they don't just go back to the same pile of nonsense. Okay. Along those same lines, uh, this is from Jennifer, who says, first, thanks for recommending uh, the movie Unplanned several months ago. I went with my two oldest girls, ages six and 14, my sister-in-law, her two teen girls, and my mother-in-law. It was good. Intense at times. I definitely think it deserved PG-13, but not R. I've been listening to you guys' show since you joined The Blaze. Um... Lately, you're the main show I listen to. Uh, my 14-year-old heard you guys talk about how your name is in the credits at the end of Unplanned, and she and all the girls stayed until we saw it, and they all and I thought that was pretty cute. That is pretty cute. Thank you. Um, I first liked your Facebook page two or more years ago when you were on with Glenn Beck, and then I forgot about you until about a year ago, partly because I never saw anything <laughs> from you in my feed. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ah, okay. So I went to the following button and clicked see first. And since then, I do see your stuff a lot. I had to do that with Matt Walsh and some others too. Um, notice you had to figure that out. They didn't prompt you yep. to do that. Hmm. 
Sounds like you guys get a lot of negative feedback. I just want to let you know, I really like your show. Uh, please keep calling balls and strikes with Trump and the Republicans and whoever else needs it. Um, maybe I'm weird, but somebody out there doing that actually makes me feel a little bit better. I'd rather know what we're facing than have this uneasy feeling that something is wrong but can't seem to figure out what it is. Take care. We're praying for you. Thank, Thank you, you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Zachary Pomerlau, or Pomerlou. I think that's how it's pronounced, Zach. I'm sorry. Hearing you ask the question on when does life begin spurred a thought. Single-celled organisms are alive, and the clump of cells developing into a fetus are individually alive. So how is a fetus not alive? Well, Zach, Zach, you're, um, you're invoking this uh, tired uh, act of the heteronormative white patriarchy um, known as science. And um, shame. It's to your shame, Zach. In fact, that, that's why I said your name both ways because I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. I just wanted to make sure you were going to get adequately shamed no matter how it's pronounced because you obviously deserve it, Zach, uh, for a attempting to invoke uh, any kind of objective scientific rationale to matters of human biology, physiology, uh, etc. Uh, et when in reality, um, that's all out the door. And science comes down to because I want to. Maybe you weren't taught that in school. I know you and I come from an era, Zach, when there was this scientific method, right? They'd have the charts up on the, on, the, on the wall when you were growing up and all the steps to the scientific method. Aaron can tell you. The, the, the new pagan, uh, 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 progressivism sorry, uh, has realized there was just too many steps to ask you to remember about what the scientific method needs to be. And they've really just narrowed it down to just one step. The scientific method now is just one thing. All right, because I want to. Amen. That, that's your scientific Amen. method, and therefore, um, to quote the great prophetess Bjork, "All is science." Or Aaron, you do it much better than me. Everything is science. Everything is science. Whatever I want, science. And if you're against me, if you tell me I can't have what I want, then you're against science. And of course, who wants to be? Who wants to be against science, Zach? Why would you? Why are you a science denier? I know you're going to come back at me with, I'm, uh, Steve, I'm, I'm quoting science. And that, that's exactly why you're a science denier. That's why you're a hater and a bigot. Because you, by quoting science, you claim to be citing science. I know it seems confusing. I, I understand that. Um, watch more CNN, MSNBC. And keep it tuned right here as well. We'll, we'll help you figure out. Uh, but, when you are coming up with a complete horse-pucky uh, reason for why somebody gets to do what they want to do, that's science, right? Okay? And, and when you attempt to come up with an objective piece of reasoning, evidence, or data to say why somebody shouldn't do something or think something they want, that's not science. Correct? Oh, utterly correct. All right. And to put a face on this... One of the most chilling things, if not the most chilling thing, any president of the United States has ever said, but because he said it's so cool, just keep on going, it's Barack Obama, and talking about his daughter, she shouldn't be punished with a baby. Right. 
That's that's he said f- that in his first presidential campaign in 08 when he was still pretending to be a Christian back then and yeah. talking to Rick Warren and stuff. And yeah. that's the face on that's the face of because I wanna. I mean, George Scheid is another one that, that frankly needs to be shamed. Uh, when he writes me, huge admirer of your show. I had a strange thought run through my head. It's disgusting, but hypothetically, say my dog gets pregnant. Is there a vet in the world that would abort unwanted puppies for me? It's sad to me, and I know you also say that animals are valued more than humans, but I'm asking, is there a vet out there that aborts unwanted puppies? I'm running a puppy mill. I've got puppy overcrowding. Will they abort my puppies for me? Well, certainly not in New York, and there's an actual story this week in New York that that fleshes this out even further. The state New York, where we were talking about kill, killing babies, what right uh, after immediately after being born. Right. Uh, right now, that same legislature is debating whether or not to make it illegal to declaw cats. So I think, I think the lesson from what you just informed me is that George Scheid is clearly a hater and a bigot. Yes. He needs to be shamed here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. for now. See, now you're attempting to come up with an objective philosophical premise. And, and uh, that pillow, also... Pillow what? Exactly. That also is a, a sign of your bigotry. Uh, philosophy used to be about sorting out... Uh, propositions from fallacies in order to come to a place of existential learning and truth correct yes it is now again we've made this simpler for you guys coming up with reasons for why you want to do what you want to do that's philosophy now i just i just i just need and they don't even be good ones in fact if you you need it at all yeah any reason good or bad no i want it because i want to because i want to so george shied again if you know george um uh, uh spank him uh, for us to help cure him uh, of his clear uh, heteronormative uh, patriarchal bigotry. Hey, if you're in the real estate market, don't hire George Side for an agent, by the way. He seems like a terrible person. But if you are looking for a real estate agent, you can trust. Uh, go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Find yourself an agent worthy of having you as a client, someone with a track record of success that's been vetted, someone who's got a marketing plan other than uh, the algorithms, and uh, let's have another open house. Uh, and then someone who actually returns calls is, is easy to be around. The relational aspect, you just can't avoid it between you and your agent. You're going to work very closely together. And the odds this thing's going to be rewarding and successful are just so much higher if there's a rapport there. So if you are looking for a real estate agent that checks all three of those, actually, if you're not, keep doing what you're doing. All right. If you don't want to be disappointed and you want to get the results that you would like, then you want a real estate agent that you can trust. And you're going to find him or her if you go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we are just about done here. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, we're going to give you a little bonus here. We're going to stick around after the show ends for a little overtime. And it'll be a Friday, so we'll talk about what our best and worst of the week is. For those of you that uh, are not subscribers, um, blazetv.com slash days. And that's how you can get a reduced subscription to Blaze TV and you'll catch all of the exclusive content we do here at Blaze TV and everybody else does as well. For everybody, subscriber or non-subscriber alike, have a great weekend. We will see you again on Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.